Hello, everyone, and welcome to this podcast. My name is Bitul Jabal, and joining me today are three amazing individuals. We have Sam Baker, all the way from Bristol. Is it Sam? Yeah, Bristol. Yeah, thanks for having uh, thanks for having us on, Bitul. No problem at all. Thank you. And Mladin, at the end of the day there, Mladin, but thank you very much for joining us all the way from Bulgaria. How are you doing today, Mladin? Hello, everyone. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. And we have Joe all the way from Nicaragua. How are you doing? Early morning there, Joe? Uh, yeah, it's about 9.30 in the morning here, So, um, uh, but it's great to join you all once again, the Three Musketeers. The Three Musketeers, absolutely. <laughs> I think you save so many lives, to be honest, um, you know, uh, within the world of automation, which is what we're talking about today. We're talking about wasted time and automation. So wasted time within automation uh, and everything that surrounds that. But first of all, just for our listeners, Joe, what do you think wasted time can be defined as? I would define wasted time as something that takes longer than it needs to. Um, and so I think in the traditional world, you have a lot of people who do things the traditional way that takes a set amount of time. But as we move forward uh, into the future and have a lot of tools at our disposal for, let's say, automation and AI, um, those tasks can become more efficient. Um, so wasted time becomes a lot less of a thing if you are educated and know how to uh, approach those set of tools. And I think a lot of companies could learn and use these tools going forward to reduce their wasted time. Mladen, would you agree with that? Do you have anything else to, to add to what Joe's just said there? Yeah, I'll definitely agree with what Joe just said. Um, yeah, so wasted time is a big problem for for every every company. Um, it causes a lot of headache when we can't deliver projects on time. Um, and yeah, when the workflow is not efficient, um, people start getting frustrated, stressed about the projects, and then the creativity goes away. So for planning and minimizing the wasted time is a key priority for, for every company, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say so. But then when we look at wasted time, so we're, we're saying that it's basically something that's pointless or something that is unproductive. Yeah. Um, so Sam, how would you say then that within automation, we have wasted time? What is the big deal of having wasted time within automation? Um, I mean, I guess uh, to kind of feed into the what is wasted time, for me, I'd say that wasted time is anything you're not seeing a, a gain or a benefit from, right? So um, you, know, you could say that actually time spent doing something incorrect is not necessarily wasted time if you have learned from that to know how to progress it forwards in a better way. Um, when we're talking about automation, uh, I think you know th there's a there's definitely a risk of a lack of understanding of what it is that you're trying to achieve with the automation can kind of lead you down this rabbit hole of, oh, you know, I'll, I'll automate something to do this, but actually I need to automate something to do that, to do that, to do that. And you spend so much time kind of chasing the ideal of what automation is that actually you've, you've wasted more time than if you just perhaps introduced a, a workflow that would achieve the same thing in much less time with much less kind of effort and involvement from likely you know people with a, a higher kind of technical aptitude who might have time better spent doing more productive activities but do you think that um 
organizations think, oh, by, by the time we automate something, that is a wasted time. Might as well just do it manually. Even though you're just doing that kind of automation process the once and then later on you're re- reusing that, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's definitely kind of cases where people argue against the idea of producing tools or scripts or kind of automated processes to to assist things. Um, I know specifically the the three of us in this call have encountered that scenario probably quite a few times when we've when we were all working together. Um, but I think, you know, again, going back to what I was saying just then about the wasted time and, and you know, any, anything that is a, a kind of a net gain or a net benefit, once you have automated something, okay, perhaps, you know, there, there wasn't as much of a case for utilizing the automation as you originally thought. But, you know, that whatever it might have been that you automated, you have learned how to do that. You've learned the processes behind it. Hopefully, you, you know, have a better understanding of the next thing that might be automated to perhaps have the knowledge to go, do we need to automate this or is this a workflow problem? Or perhaps, you know, the the element of automation you've created could be repurposed for the next step. Okay. So in terms of pros and cons then for automation, uh, what would you say that, you know, is the pro for us moving forward with automating things within the industry? If I start maybe with yourself, Joe? Sure. Um, I think one of the pros is obviously quicker workflows and as sam just mentioned and you know there's a balance between automation and doing it manually um and how far down the rabbit hole do you go with automation uh you know in the first place but i think if if companies are willing to learn and willing to actually train their employees um in that automation the results as a huge pro will be tenfold in my opinion um in the medium to long term, the short term, yes, it might take a little bit of work and and uh, and in actual fact, take probably more time than doing it traditionally. But if companies are willing to actually stick at it, they're huge positives and huge pros for for doing that. So, um, yeah, that's that's one of the pros that I would say is stick at it, and the automation will effectively pay for itself. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add to that, Mladen? Well, I think um, well, people having the skills to use those new tools um, would greatly benefit every company in, in more, as Joe said, in medium to long um, term. So, yeah, I, I strongly believe that's the way forward and people just need to get used to those new workflows and get used to um, learning um, on daily basis and just being curious um, about new processes of achieving, um, you know, of working on projects. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um, so, Sam, if we go into what Joe and Mladen have just said about, um, you know, the pros of working with, uh, with automation within the industry, do you have any kind of experience uh, within the industry where, you, uh, I can see you all smiling now. You know what's coming. Um, do you have any experience where the wrong person was trusted with automation or the wrong team? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're all we're all kind of grinning here for a reason, right? Um, you know, a, a, as much as automation is this incredibly powerful thing that can make you know arbitrary tasks 
complete in a very quick way um the the kind of contrary of that can occur which is someone who doesn't really know what they're doing with the tool or doesn't understand how they're using it properly can lead to you know mass destruction in your uh, in a in a revit model let's say um where someone is kind of tooling into lots of different bits of data at the same time you know where an automation process might be um you know aiding in the creation of sheets or um, overwriting parameter values that same thing used in an incorrect way as we've all experienced um yeah. you know some someone kind of pulls the trigger thinking that they're about to update their model and it's all going to be wonderful and actually what they've done is overwritten you know what has effectively taken weeks of work for someone to manually input data so, and you uh, just want to cry. You do, you do, and then uh, that's that's uh, that's when the bim bim guys, the, uh, the three musketeers here, swoop in to kind of unravel that mistake, right? Um, but it, it is, it's you know, automation is this hugely powerful tool. Um, you know, put in put in the right hands, uh, you're gonna you're going to see huge gains in efficiency. Um, but you just got to watch out for those, uh, let's say, rogue elements who might not necessarily understand what they're doing, or you know. Uh, mistakenly click the wrong button um, and then they've kind of undone all of that work. Yeah, absolutely. So would you say then, um, it's a bit like if I come up with the analogy of, um, you know, you have you give someone the keys to your Ferrari, but they haven't even, you know, had a lesson in how to drive. Would you say it's a bit like that? You know, you, you're giving someone exposure to something that can potentially cause more damage to to the model or to themselves even, you know, because this can cost jobs and that's livelihood. And so it, it, it does affect the person at the end of the day. Um, would you say then there needs to be training, then there's a, a missing element between some members of a team. So for example, the musketeers, you've got, you know, you've got these great ideas, you've got this great mindset, you've got the capability to, to produce things. And then when you hand it over to someone, there needs to be some kind of implementation plan. There needs to be some kind of training. Does that happen often or does it happen where, you know, you get told, no, 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 just pass it on. They'll learn it on the job. You know, you're too busy. We need you on the next project, X, Y, Z. So d- does that happen? Do you, do you get to train people or is it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> I, I was going to say that we've re- we've all been through this and I think um, it, in our past together, uh, training was kind of a core fundamental of, every user, um, every employee, every teammate that came into the company uh, or companies that we've worked for, um, whether it be learning the basics of, uh, let's say, Revit or CAD, um, all the way through to family design and even Dynamo uh, with that with that kind of automation right there. Um, and I think we also had to set out almost ground rules of saying, if you have passed this training, you can then access let's say the the window family window family oh, i like that a, if you pass a, the training so right. some people could potentially fail that training is that correct some people needed more than one session or two sessions um you know so some people took it by storm and and, and learned uh i remember when i started working with sam you know it, it was it was like i told him once and he was already creating window families so i was like wow this this, this guy's on it um, and there are others that it just takes a little bit longer and that's fine. They don't have an aptitude for it. Uh, but we did try and set out kind of guidelines of saying, Hey, if you, if, you, if this is what you can do right now, we don't want you to be scared 
of designing. We don't want to be scared of the model itself, but you have to understand that there are limits to your experience and knowledge. And until you pass that level, um, please don't go into the families and try and, you know, work it out yourself right now. Uh, because in essence, I mean, that still happened. <laughs> Regardless of yeah. uh, whether we're setting out guidelines, some people felt uh, that they, they, they were able to do, do it. And obviously, as a result, it kind of um, messed up uh, a number of the, let's say, families that we were using. And uh, ultimately, that can delay the project, uh, which then obviously Mr. and Mrs. Client um, are not happy <laughs> with at the end of the day. Yeah. So it became very apparent that the, that the workforce, the employees needed to kind of stick to that guideline. So yeah. I do believe training has, is the core part of, of education and, and learning and learning correctly. Absolutely. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility with having such tools and being able to um, being able to kind of utilize something that if it's not used right, then you're going to break it. Uh, you know, that that kind of education session that everyone needs to know about is, is, is crucial. But you mentioned about the individuals that, you know, would have gone in and played around with the families anyway before they finish or pass their training. How do you deal with something like that? How do you deal with, um, you know, with, with because that's wasting time now. We've tried to automate something. You're wasting both your time and their time. And they think maybe they're not going to waste your time. They'll just do it. They'll just get on with it. It'll look fine in the plans. But then later on, when you come to schedule and things, it's giving you the wrong dimensions, wrong feedback and things. How do you deal with something like that? Uh, I mean, I... My, my take on something like that is actually uh, exposure is hugely important for people to understand, you know, what these things do. Um, exposure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so so pre previously, um, you know, uh, in, in line with what Joe was saying, where it's kind of, you know, you have to have passed this training before you're allowed to interact with this thing, um, but you kind of have an awareness in our in our kind of role that you know these things are always going on, regardless of whether you tell people they shouldn't be doing it or not. Um, and there's definitely a side of um, kind of let's say self improvement or self education with looking into these things, but I do think there needs to be uh, an element of ownership is also a really big thing. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, an exercise that I've been carrying out at the moment um, that's taken me the better part of uh, a year probably now is overhauling a script library for Dynamo. Um, and what we've effectively done is sectioned off different parts of the library to say anybody can access this part of the library, only experienced users can access this. And then actually there's also a hidden kind of component that only the, let's say, you know, administrative or the kind of specialist staff would even know existed. Uh, that's amazing and, and it, that's it, great the idea is you know everybody can see this everybody can use this but also what's going on is within those um, dynamo definitions we have uh, kind of a little node tucked away that's doing an analytics process right so every time someone runs one of these somewhere in the in the uh, the backlog a little file is getting updated the database is getting updated to say who ran the file uh, you know who, who ran the definition when they did it um you know which different definition and on, on, on what project, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think one thing that we've we've all experienced is, uh, you know, you, you go into troubleshoot for someone and you kind of get this. I don't know what happened. Everything just disappeared, and you kind of go, <laughs> okay, you know, what what were you doing when it happened? Then, oh, I wasn't doing anything. 
well, I suppose I did run that script that said delete all the elements, but you know, I didn't. Th- and you kind of go right. Well, you know, so so um, part of the uh, let's say the exposure and ownership of of this new library that I've been working on is that you know everybody has access to these tools, and what I'm hoping is that the right kind of people will start to have an appreciation of them and will start to utilize them. So we then have a massive productivity boost in the company, and the people who aren't using them correctly, and you know. They kind of don't have an excuse for. Uh, it sounds a bit harsh, but they don't have an excuse for negligence, right? If they've done something yeah. and they've created a problem, and they're trying to hide the fact that they've created a problem, or they've kind of gone out of their way to access something they shouldn't have accessed, the ownership comes back to them. Not the, uh, you know, I, I, again, we've all experienced this where it's kind of been, oh, such and such has happened in our project. Why have you allowed this to happen in our project? Right? We're not yeah. infallible. We're not you know overseeing of every single project and everything that goes on there has to be an ownership on the individual um and really you know when going back to your kind of with great power comes great responsibility well you need to be responsible if you're going to be you know have your hands on that kind of automation so let's make people responsible absolutely absolutely um so what's your take on it then Mladen? on um from, from what sam said there you know we, we've got a lot of people trying to utilize some tools and sometimes maybe utilizing it incorrectly or maybe just saying what's happened to it my models disappeared or whatever might have happened what's your take on it Mladen? then uh, in terms of your experience of, of that happening to you oh i uh i i believe as uh joe and, and uh, sam said um failure is inevitable so um it's it's it is not really wasted time if you if you if you do your best to learn from the mistakes um, that happened, if it keeps happening, of course, this is wasted time. But if um, if we uh, keep an eye on this lessons learned um, file, um, I think yeah, with more then people get more experienced and uh, things move forward. Yeah. Um, so failure is really. Um, inevitable and it's it's not wasted time um, as long as people take responsibility and yeah try not to do that again in two weeks time yeah um, as Sam said um, separating the different tools to perform different th- different tasks um, there is um, with automation there is um, I think one of the key aspects when it comes to automation is the the, the proper planning and the implementation trying not to over automate the tools and um, just just being careful with what actually the tool does and the limitations um, but that comes again to the more experienced people who implement those tools so they need to be careful with um, what's allowed to the end user and what is not yeah Absolutely. So, in in terms of um, looking at it from from a user's perspective, so I'll be, I'll be the naughty one in the room. I'll be the the one who's doing this all wrong. Can I can I come up with the excuse of it's too complicated? I don't understand it. Do do you do you ever get that? Do you? Oh, it's too complicated. It's meant to make things faster, but actually, it's made things slower for me. Or do you ever get that as as a BIM coordinator um, within practice? Yes, we do get that on a daily basis. And I think there is the mis- uh, misunderstanding of of the actual uh, tools that are in place. Um, 
we can always argue that people don't necessarily know the Revit API. Uh, it's all in the background, but you click a button and you expect something to happen. It's the, the very same thing with whether that being Dynamo or some plugin custom built for the, for the company, you press a button and the tool will do its thing in the background. Um, so people, if there is no, um, if people are not willing to, to adapt to these new workflows, they will, they will always find an excuse not to use them. So, uh, that's brilliant. That's so my, no excuses, no excuses. No excuses. You have to use them. Okay. So we've, we've kind of talked about maybe slightly common mistakes or common things that happen, um, and, uh, within the practice coming up next on optimize et al. Do you think that is actually going to make you lazier or do you think it is optimizing your time? It is funny, actually, when we were talking about the, uh, the Ferrari earlier, I kind of had this other analogy that popped into my head about, you know, automation compared to cars right and if you think of a manual transmission car as your baseline revit once upon a time some clever clogs came up with you know an automatic transition and suddenly you didn't need to change gears manually you didn't need to hold down the clutch pedal all of this stuff started working a lot smoother and i'll go back to my car analogy and just say even if you don't have an understanding of what's going on under the hood make sure you have an appreciation of what's going on under the hood so let's say a new business comes and approaches you and they would like to implement some automation within their practice. What would your key advice be for that business? Understand the end goal. People with less technical aptitude tend to jump at the idea of automation or AI. You know, it's just, it's kind of like a, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could automate everything? And wouldn't we, but actually, if you, if you don't know kind of what it is that you're trying to end up, you know, what is the ideal that you're trying to achieve? You're just going to burn hours trying to achieve something. If people want to really push forward automation and new processes, they um, they need to be curious um, every single day and just keep an eye on what's available. I'm gonna quote Denzel Washington. Um, one of my favorite quotes of all time, and I think it can be applied to every aspect of life, including business. And he says, um, this was back in 2017, he said, without commitment, you'll never start. But more importantly, without consistency, you'll never finish. And so if I was to give any advice to a, a, a company that were just starting this, I'd say, do you have commitment in going down this rabbit hole in order to develop? Because you don't just develop one bit of automation. Once you start, you develop and you continue developing.